said Tom Herman denies, you know, blah, blah, blah. Both times, because they came like an hour apart, I thought it said Tom Herman dies. And I about <laughs> crapped myself. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? And then I read, I was like, oh. Okay, breaking news. Oh, well, we got it. Here we go. Wow. LeBron to the Lakers. Is that official? Official from Woj. Wow. Four years, $154 million. Wow. Wow. Man. Hate to see it. You hate to see it. I kind of, I mean, those are how the tea leaves. Darn it. Come on. Tie should feel like a win. No. It does not feel like a win. Oh, man. I'll say that. I'll say they, that. They say, they say a tie is like kissing your sister, but for the Browns, it's like kissing your hot stepsister. <laughs> Now here are your host of the short thing, Warren Shore and Ryan Silva. Thanks everybody for tuning in to this edition of the Shore Thing here on Talk Radio 1190. I'm your host Warren Shore here, and we'll have a good show planned for you today. Ryan will be calling in with us for the second segment and for the rest of the show. He's out in grapevine with some baseball. Uh, good stuff planned as we're going to talk NBA free agency. We're also going to dive into this article on The Athletic that talks about the Rangers and their pitching program. That's going to be in the third segment. And then I'd say on the fourth segment, we'll get another update on if Ryan's come closer to a Premier League team, what he's going to do there. Because uh, he says he wants to pick a Premier League team. Does he have any update for us on that? And then we uh, could listen to some audio about uh, allegedly uh, Kyrie Irving called into a Boston radio stage, station. So we'll give a listen uh, to that. The invitation is open to Kyrie Irving to call in right now as he's over in China. So Kyrie, if you want to call, that number is 214-787-1190. You can talk to us about your upcoming your upcoming free agency. But first, we want to start off special guest on the line. Told you guys about it last week. We have a coworker up here at the station, uh, Allie Aaron. She went to the Women's World Cup in Paris, in France. She specifically stayed in Paris and went to the U.S. game against Chile last uh, Sunday as they went on to beat uh, Chile. And uh, so she was there, so we have her on. So, Allie, thanks for uh, coming on to talk about a little uh, Women's World Cup. Yeah, it's, it's great. we are just been watching uh, World Cup coverage today, actually. Yes, I have been locked in on uh, the coverage as well today and uh, this weekend uh, as there have been some uh, monetary gains potentially out there for me. I'd probably not you, but uh, it's been entertaining. But first, I want to start off with uh, your experience over uh, over in France. You are probably the biggest women's national team fan I know, like a bunch of my friends <laughs> that watch soccer. We will watch the women's team. We enjoy it. But uh, I'm not saying we're we're not watching every game. We're not watching the She Believes Cup and all their all their friendlies and stuff. But you're locked in every at, through every game. You watch all 90 minutes, and so you went out there. It was actually your birthday on Sunday as well. So this was like the all time birthday present you gave yourself. So how was the atmosphere in the stadium just all around uh, Paris? You know, it was actually uh, really surprising. 45,000 people were at this game. It was a 45,000 uh, uh, crowd here, which was awesome to see. And uh, what was surprising to me was a host country of France. There was French French families there with uh, uh, USA jerseys on, which I thought was pretty cool, pretty interesting. 
but uh, also exciting for me, obviously. <laughs> why do you, did you talk? Why were they? Uh, I guess you did. You know why they were wearing like American jerseys? Are this were they grateful for the help in World War Two, or were they just uh, <laughs> were they just were they just cheering on the U.S. since they both have red, white, and blue? But yeah, besides the uh, anniversary of the of D Day battle, yeah, yeah, that it was cool to be there during that too. But um, I think because um, I've been watching this coverage, these flashbacks of the '99ers team. I think what's cool about it is that the uh, U.S. Women's National Team, as a whole, even through the '90s, kind of put uh, women's sports—not even just for soccer, but just women's sports—like on a map. So even for the French team now to have such a big. Um, platform i think it has a lot of credit to do with what our women's national team has done the last 25 years so i think they've gained a lot of fans internationally through that yeah and this women's world cup is supposed to be the most uh i would say competitive mm-hmm. of, of all of them not now they're obviously the usb thailand 13 nothing and chile uh they all they should have beat them by more but their goalie was incredible uh, as you saw firsthand, but like teams like Norway, England's gotten a lot better. They really came onto the scene last Women's World Cup, so they've gotten a lot better. Like some of the South American countries that you would think would be good in soccer, but they're finally getting uh, support from their federations, while mm-hmm. albeit being little support previously. Now they're starting to get more support. I think Brazil, there are like 27 million people that watched their third third game in the group stage. And that wow. number is probably going to be up from there. So the support, I guess, from all the countries has been uh, pretty good. And uh, it's as the most competitive uh, Women's World Cup, There, would you say that's because of, like you just said, with the U.S. Uh, women's team? I would think it has a lot to do with um, a lot of things. I think uh, with the women. Allie? Hey, can you hear me? Hey. I would think it has a lot to do with uh, a lot with what the women are doing um, together, like, suing together to get equal pay i think there's a lot more recognition um and how they're standing together and i think fifa could do more but they're doing a lot they're doing a lot now for um these countries that could build better like with um just like jamaica sent their team this year but it was because of uh bob marley's bob marley's daughter that that uh funded them to go to the cup this year so i think there's a lot to do with um people paying more attention and I think it's uh, kind of cool to see how how far it's grown. All right, so let's get in. Uh, how was it in the stadium when you were there, and like how many other Americans you've uh, looks? It sounds like when we talked on Tuesday when you got back, you had a great time. Just take us through like the scene and everything. How was it? It was actually it was insane, but um, because Chile's colors are are pretty similar to ours, I would I didn't realize that there were actually a lot of Chile fans. <laughs> unknowingly i just thought that they were american fans um but the cool thing was even building up so there was a couple of american outlaw parties in paris the night before um to do like a like a build up before the game like a tailgate party there were so many americans and to hear that the uh, u.s women's national team has even outspoken and said that it feels like they're playing at home and, and they're in france but they said that it feels like they're playing at home because of how many fans are actually showing up just to cheer for them. So there was just so many people there. It was amazing. I I actually got to speak English for the entire day. <laughs> that's that's, that's <laughs> nice. I mean, you didn't need to keep up on your – well, you could have learned some Fr- uh, French, but it was only – you were only there for, what, like four days or something. Yeah. So it was uh, – <laughs> it wasn't like you were there for a long, long excursion. So with that game, 
we talked that you were disappointed because they made like what eight changes and none of really the star. Well, Carly Lloyd played it. She scored in her sixth consecutive uh, World Cup game, so that was cool. But like Alex Morgan didn't play, and some of the Julie uh, Ertz didn't play. She was hurt, and so they were kind of out. So that was kind of disappointing. But the game, I mean, they won, so that was fun. They just couldn't score in the second half. Well, what what ended up was being frustrating for me was after the Thailand game. Of course, there was a lot of controversy, controversy, and everybody was talking about it and it kind of felt like so they only scored three times in the match that i saw against chile and every time like carly lloyd did the golf clap as a celebration so they were kind of like holding back it was almost like they were saying we're not allowed to celebrate kind of thing so it was kind of uh and they benched all the players that had not benched i hate to say that word um the players didn't start that i would have liked to see that had gotten all the goals in the thailand game but um, yeah, the celebrations were muted, and it was definitely uh, it was a you could notice it. It was it was definitely noticed. Uh, well, I meant to say this. It was funny on the broadcast for the USA Chile game. Uh, the person said, "Oh yeah, it's like eighty percent American fans, and they're red, white, and blue." And they just kind of went off the forgot the Chile was red, white, and blue. Uh, I know that was <laughs> I did the I made the same mistake. I would like walk up to somebody and I'm like, "Oh, that's a that's a Chile jersey. Sorry, we have the same colors." <laughs> um, all right, so let's shift forward to tomorrow's U.S. game against Spain. Uh, they should win this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, their next, their tough test is going to be against France, say they win, which would be Friday. But what do you like uh, for the women's national team tomorrow in their game against uh, Spain? What should we look well, forward um, to? A lot of this has been a surprising cup. Just today watching France and Brazil shouldn't have gone into overtime like it did, but um, Brazil showed up, and that was a, a tough game to watch. But I, I think, obviously, I think that the USA will advance, and it will be <clears throat> one of our, if not our toughest, one of our toughest, obviously, games since uh, joining, being in this cup. Uh, Sweden was going to be our biggest competition, and we obviously fared well. But I think um, France, we're likely to see France soon, and I think that's going to be probably a very enjoying uh, match to watch, especially being in France with all the fans being kind of split. And I'm actually already looking ahead, which I know they're, they say that you're not supposed to do, but I'm already looking ahead for us facing France, what, Friday? It is Friday, Friday afternoon. Yeah, no, well, Spain's ranked 13th in the world. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, another tough test. Uh, games are getting tougher. Shouldn't be a walkover. But Alex Morgan, I saw she's healthy, so she's going to play. And then, Earth uh, is going to be back as well. Uh, apparently, Earth should be back. So we should have a whole healthy squad. Yes, that is very good. The thing, uh, lastly, I want to talk to you about is uh, we've been texting about this, but uh, video review. I'm all for VAR. Uh, I think we uh, both agree VAR is, is good, and you get get some calls. It makes calls that are wrong. It overturns and make them right. But I feel like, and I saw this someone say on Twitter, that the men in the VAR studio sometimes are like overcorrecting the women refs on the field, and it's just turned into just a disaster out there. And <laughs> penalties are getting reviewed, and it seems like everything is under uh, video review. Every goal, like they can't celebrate when it first happens. Like today in the Brazil-France game, the Brazil girl, clearly on side, would have mm-hmm. never even need to guess that, and they scored. 
and then they went back to see if she was offside. He didn't even need to do that. Same thing in the England game. They call her onside. We got to go to VAR. They call her offside. She scores. We go to VAR. It's just VAR has taken over this Women's World Cup. And it, I didn't think it was really that much of an issue in the Men's World Cup last year. No, I think it's, it's kind of made it harder to watch because I was telling uh, – we've been watching these uh, Women's World Cup 99er uh, docu-series today, just kind of reliving the glory. And um, I think watching even how they take PKs is so different than oh, yes. what they're doing now with the with the rules. And it's it's kind of it's completely changing the sport. Honestly, like being a spectator and watching this, you know, my entire life, it's changing how I even view it because I don't know. Like even watching an old game from old PKs against China, like it it changes. I'm like, oh wait, that's illegal now, or that's that. You know, it's it's completely different. And I think as you train as a keeper and as a striker, I think, or even as a defensive line, I think that changes a lot of things. Um, I think that changes how you play if you've been trained a certain way. You know. Well, yeah, and goalies have been jumping off the line on penalties forever, and it's yeah, that, never it's it never gets called unless it's like egregious. Yeah. And I saw like, why not call the person encroaching the box? When they get into the box early on a penalty, why don't you? Mm-hmm. They never call that anymore. And no. when they should have called, if they're going to call the goalie on it, they should look at both of them. I feel like, and it's just, it's very, very confusing. And it it does take some of the excitement out of out of the game. It's just like Cameroon today got hosed. I thought on one call, and they started they definitely did, and they they showed it. It was kind of hard to watch um, their reaction a little bit on that, but I think. Um, and, and I've been making this argument all day about it as a goalkeeper. Like, I think that's a reaction. You're not cheating. That's your instincts is to come off your line a little bit at that first touch. Like, that's not cheating. That's a reaction. That's your instinct. That's what you're trained for. So I think it's a little, I don't know, I'm a little um, partial to to those rules that's been kind of calling a lot of the games lately. Yeah, I mean, it's hard enough to stop a penalty. Uh, and then you're trying to get a slight advantage. And they still rarely save them if it's a slight, uh, a slight. Uh, they, they get the slight advantage if the if the person kicking it doesn't take it properly. That's where they uh, cause a problem there. But uh, Allie, we appreciate you uh, coming on the show here. Uh, good talking soccer with you as always, and I will see you uh, tomorrow afternoon at work, hopefully after a U.S. women's win. After we eat Spain, I can't wait. Yes, all right, thanks again, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, coming up next on The Short Thing, we'll check in with Ryan. He'll join us for the rest of the show. We'll dive into some NBA free agency and wrapping up some NBA draft talk. That's coming up next here on The Short Thing on Talk Radio 1190. All right, we're back here on the short thing. Talk Radio 1190. Still waiting for Ryan to call in. So when he calls in, we'll get him up on the show. He's out there in Grapevine for some baseball. He said their games got delayed today. I guess there were some storms out there during the afternoon. There's definitely going to be our regularly scheduled Sunday night thunderstorms rolling through the Metroplex here 
in a couple, uh, probably in the next half hour or so. But we're going to talk some NBA here as uh, the draft happened on Thursday and the uh, free agency, actually the moratorium period, at, or starts on uh, next Sunday night at 6 p.m., so 5 Central. So we will be on the air when deals are flying. So a lot of NBA talk going on next uh, next Sunday night. We'll keep you up to date with the deals that we see come through on Twitter. Uh, first, we'll start off with the draft. The Mavericks had uh, the 43rd pick on the draft. They traded down with Detroit. Still not officially announced yet because they have to wait till the uh, – June 6th to make the trade official. So because it's part of the Tony Snell trade, the Mavericks got two second round, two future second round picks back, which is good. They're going to need those because they traded a bunch of picks away in the Chris Stops trade. So they drafted Isaiah Roby, who's a junior from Nebraska, power forward. He, uh, six foot nine. So your typical wing player. And over in Nebraska last year, he played 31 minutes a game, averaged 11.7 rebounds, shot 33% from three, 45% from the field. So he can stretch the floor a little bit, got a good wingspan of seven foot one inch. So uh, just another four guy. You got Dwight Powell. They're going to try and work out a contract extension with him as he opted in for $10.9 million. So that's a good uh, sign there for the Mavericks. So Isaiah Roby was their pick. And uh, look, I think I don't know how much time he's going to play this year. He's probably could be an energy guy off the bench if, if say, Paul and Maxi Kleba say they re-sign Kleba. He doesn't get a big offer sheet because he's a restricted free agent. He can stretch the floor a little bit, bring some energy off the bench. Uh, that's probably what you're going to get from him. Say he's, someone goes down due to injury, uh, knock on wood that that doesn't happen. But he could play there. They're going to need they they need some more depth. They still need a center. Like DeAndre Jordan's gone, and we've talked about on the show extensively when DeAndre Jordan was gone that uh, they had nothing up front, and they were just getting killed in the front court, especially around the rim. No one was protecting the rim as it's just uh, Kleba and Paul out there. Salah Mejri came in, played some decent minutes. Got to think they're going to re-sign him. Just not. Not good. So uh, they're going to definitely look as now we shift over to NBA free agency. Like there's no reason for us to talk about the draft anymore. Nothing really pertains to the Mavericks other than their second round pick. Zion went to the Pelicans. That was that. Everything pretty much stayed the same of where the stars uh, drafted for us. Um, so that's where it was there. So now shifting over to free agency, getting the call that Ryan's calling in in a couple of minutes. So we'll get him on that. But uh, the Mavericks need a center and the Boston Celtics, I feel like have been the talk of NBA free agency as a team. Uh, other team, other players have been the main talk like uh, Kawhi Leonard Durant definitely has been the lesser of two as we talk since he tore his Achilles in the NBA finals. But uh, um it was reported that uh, Al Horford is now not going to uh, opt in with the All right, back here at Talk Radio 1190. Ryan now on the phone as he's out there uh, finishing up some baseball stuff. We'll get in. We'll continue talking uh, NBA 
here. Ryan, how's it going out there? Good, man. It was a uh, long day. Got out here about 10.30. Just finished up now. Uh, had a couple of lightning delays in between out here in Grapevine. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was a good day of baseball. All right, so before the break, we're talking NBA free agency. We went over the mass draft pick, Isaiah Roby. No, no need to talk about the draft anymore, but we're talking about free agency. It starts next Sunday night. The moratorium period starts. And for the Mavericks, they're thinking they're going to be big players. A lot of talk has been about Kemba. Is he going to come here? They need a point guard. Then some D'Angelo Russell talk. Uh, got thrown in the mix there. And then the Al Horford news kind of threw a big wrench into everybody's plan because then I heard Brian Windhorse on his Hoops Collection podcast on ESPN, excuse me, talking about and he was with Tim McMahon and they were like, yeah, Dallas, we're hearing big Dallas rumors, Al Horford with the Mavericks and McMahon said his sources wouldn't like confirm or deny what was going on there and then it was like known that a four-year, $112 million max contract's out there for Horford. Mark Stein tweeted on uh Saturday, Friday or Saturday that it wasn't the Mavericks. I'm not buying that though. So uh look, I think Al Horford would be a nice addition to the Mavericks, kind of what they're looking for. But a four year max for a guy that is gonna be thirty seven years old at the end of the contract, that's the part that worries me about Horford. Yeah, you know, as good as Horford is, I've honestly never been a big fan not a not a big fan, but a big believer in Horford. Look, don't get me wrong, the guy's great. Great uh, defensive player down in the post, can stretch it out, shoot the three a little bit too. And he's been a very productive NBA player, but I think the Mavs putting max money on Al Horford would be a huge mistake. Um, Kemba, I, 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 you know, I don't know what their chances are. Obviously, the big talk with Kemba is him joining uh, LeBron and AD out in L.A. If uh, they can snatch him up, that's probably his top choice. You know, he's been stuck in, in Charlotte, which is kind of basketball purgatory uh, recently, or, you know, since they've been the Bobcats. Um so he's probably looking for a place where he can win now, uh, speaking of Kimba. And, you know, what's the, what's really shocked me is we heard maybe the last month of the season or so that uh, Vucevic out in Orlando, that the Mavs would need to put big players for him. And now it sounds like maybe Boss is interested in him um, and a couple other teams, which I think Vucevic would have been a great fit uh, here with the Mavs. So, you know, but just on, the, on the Horford thing, I think we're, we're on the same page. We're four years, $112 million for him. Uh, he, he's probably going to be injured. Uh, you know, he's always, he's always good for at least missing a couple weeks with an injury. Um, as you know, he kind of has that big body and he is getting older. He has to bang down in the post. So, uh, I think they should stray away from that. Maybe, maybe three years. Um, but if he has a max offer, he's going to take that. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not opposed to Horford coming here. It depends what he is because you could put him at the top of the key. He's a really good passer off the ball. He's not going to have to worry about Tristan Thompson shutting him down in the playoffs because Tristan's <laughs> probably going to play uh, in the East next year, so he doesn't have to worry about that. But, look, that's a, you need a veteran on the team. I still think you need a yeah. veteran type of leader guy. Like, I wouldn't uh, – the locker room's pretty light on those. I can't think of any off the top of my head that Dirk's gone now, so he's not going to be your leader there. He'll be around the team, obviously, but – uh, Vucevic, look, I'm not really sold on the Vucevic thing. Uh, I saw his max is going to be like four years, I think, around like 160. I think I'm kind of out. I'm out on Vucevic at that. He's a nice player. He's 27, so you could say he's in the prime. But I don't, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not big on the Vucevic as the center. So and Kemba, Kemba, I think is going to stay with the Hornets. They're trying to work out a deal. He's going to get the Superman. He's going to leave $80 million on the table to come to the Mavericks. I don't really think that's going to happen. So the Mavs and free agency, look, I wouldn't be uh, – look, I might scratch the head at Horford at the max, but 
if the goal is to win a title, I think you got to strike while the uh, iron is hot, as they say. And with the Warriors down, you might need to. I think you should try and go like all in for it this year. As in the West, nobody is the clear front runner. Like Denver's getting a lot of love. Utah's getting a lot of love with getting Conley. Obviously, LeBron with AD. Uh, I mean, it's the West is wide open. You get Horford. That's a solid, solid three. Yeah, I mean, we saw this Mavs team um, win 33 games last year, which I think was was uh, you know more than people thought. And their tank there at the end was a hard tank, so they probably could have scratched across maybe four or five more wins. You're looking at 36, 37, 38 wins. I mean, that's huge. I think they went 24 and 17 at home uh, or somewhere around there. So I mean, they played good basketball. And now you're you are bringing on Porzingis, um, and then if you can add a veteran point guard, uh, you know, to to that to that backcourt, um, you know, that that's that's huge too. But I, it's tough to say that the Mavs would be champion championship contenders this year with Horford or even next year. Um, obviously, you got to see what you get out of Porzingis coming off the ACL. That's going to be huge. Um, but going all in for a championship right now. I think that I think you gotta maybe pump the brakes on that. You know, Luca's still real young. He's still learning a little bit more. As good as the guy was, you know, he's uh, in contention for Rookie of the Year. But it's you know, it's uh, I, I think I think going all in for a championship next year. Maybe give it two years, two years from this, from this time, maybe three years, and then you can start going all in once again after you see what you got with Porzingis. Once Luca kind of has his feet settled in the NBA and gets used to playing this 82 game season where he's not gassed there at the end. Like we kind of saw this year, um, you know, even if, even though the tank was on and they're probably limiting his minutes, I think he's. Still, I think the Mavs are still a couple years out from from a championship run, but no doubt that they are definitely, um, you know, playoff contenders. I would agree there. Yeah, well, I'm, I guess I meant like go for it as hey, let's try and get in the top four. There's a lot of work to be done to get in the top four because the teams that make the playoffs, like the Warriors, you got the Warriors, Nuggets, Blazers, Rockets, Jazz, Spurs, Thunder, Clippers. Then you throw the Lakers in there, making the uh, gonna probably make the playoffs next year. So then you got to overtake another team. So two teams that missed out next year are gonna have to come back into the pack. Some people are hot on the Pelicans. Maybe they make a charge for it. So look, the West playoffs are gonna be brutal uh, next year. There's a lot to do. I think the guy they should go after in free agency is Brogdon, Malcolm Brogdon from the Bucks. Uh, you still need a point guard. Because Luca, you still need a guy to play point. Jalen Brunson's a nice player, but keep him coming off the bench. I think Brogdon is like the perfect fit for this team. He's a restricted free agent, like four-year, eighty million dollar deal. That's what you're gonna have to pay him. Look, it's expensive, but the cap's going up, and make Milwaukee really think hard about signing that contract or matching that offer because they're gonna have to sign Middleton and a bunch of other guys are going to be uh, big-time problems over there with uh, Brooke Lopez, Miritich. they got issues on who they're going to re-sign, so load that offer sheet to Malcolm Brogdon and go after him. And then you still got $20 million. You still got like $12 million. Maybe you go sign a Julius Randle or a couple other guys. Yeah, you know, I'm actually, I do like the Julius Randle uh, pick maybe. I don't know if I want that, if I prefer him over Horford, just as far as skill, but as far as contract goes, um, I think you could probably get similar numbers out of Julius Randle that you could out of Horford for a lot less. So maybe that's the route they take, and then they, they go, they can, then at that point, then they're set up for a possibility to go all in on the Tampa, or, you know, maybe make a run at D'Angelo Russell. I know he, you know, there's a lot of talk of him uh, either going to the Suns or a couple other spots. But I mean, you do need that. You need that ball dominant point guard as much as Luca does like to handle the ball. 
uh, you know, take the pressure off him a little bit, let him become a shooter a little bit more, even though he is a dynamic passer as well. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon would be a, a nice pickup too. Um, how how many years is Giannis left on his contract? Is he? I mean, he's going to get the supermax here. He's, he's done after twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, they're, they're, the Bucks are going to be cash strapped here pretty soon, and that being a smaller market, it's going to be tough for them to bring a lot of these pieces back. Uh, that they have now. So, I mean, if, if you can offer Malcolm Brogdon, what do you say, four years, $80 million? Yeah, I think four for 80. For, uh, I think it's going to be tough for, for Milwaukee to, to try to match that as big as, of a piece as he is in that team. Like you said, you still got uh, Chris Middleton, as well as Brooks Lopez has changed his game and has become this, this outstanding shooter from the five spot now. I mean, you got to bring him back, too, because Giannis obviously doesn't shoot the ball well, so you got to surround him by shooters. So I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there with Malcolm Brogdon would be a nice piece, and like I said, maybe Julius Randle is somebody that you kind of take a run at. Um, the only problem is you just hope that you know it doesn't turn into a um, uh, Nerlens Noel situation where you know obviously they're two totally different players, but just a situation where you think you're getting one thing and then you end up not getting what you were expecting at all. Yeah, but I think Julius Julius. I don't think that's really a fair comparison because Julius Randle was actually produced for the Pelicans last year, and Noel yeah. was all was hurt big time. They traded him, and then he was like anointed as the uh, savior for the center position, and then he just kind of flamed out, and he wasn't great. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's Julius Randle. Yeah, no, I, you know, like I said, they're 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 different players, but just as far as you know, not getting uh, you know good return on investment. And speaking of, there was also rumors I saw um, all things Mavs tweeted it out, um, that Willie Cauley-Stein from Sacramento, he's going to be uh, looking to get out of his contract in Sacramento and that a place that he had, that he was eyeing was Dallas. And he kind of fits that, that Nerland's Noel. I mean, granted, just because just they're tall, skinny guys, this isn't why I'm, I'm comparing them. And they went but to he, Kentucky. Right, and they both went to Kentucky, right. Yeah, that's that's not the comparison there. But just because, I mean, he's kind of been, he's, he's uh, been a role player for most of his career in Sacramento, so you gotta it's going to be tough to bring him in and maybe expect to get big minutes out of him as well. All right, so we'll talk more NBA next week as the moratorium uh, begins next Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, 5 central. Uh, So deals will be breaking that where they agree to sign, so we'll have that covered there. All right, I want to touch on the Rangers here. They're a half game out of the second wild card. They uh, split a series with the Indians this week, and then they won a series against the White Sox. I went out to the game Wednesday night. Uh, the crowds have been terrible. Uh, look, no one wants to watch baseball when it's 95 degrees outside and really humid, but uh, it's a shame that ballpark's going away because it's incredible, but, I mean, they need a dome because the crowd today at first pitch, there could have been more than like 10,000 people out there. It was, it was a pathetic showing, even Wednesday night. And in the seventh inning, people started to leave. The Indians were up and turned into like family and friends out there. It was... Not a good week for attendance over at the... Was it Dollar uh, Hot Dog Night out there on Wednesday? Huh? Was it Dollar Hot Dog Night out it there? It was Dollar Hot Dog Night, but the problem was it wasn't Dollar Hot Dog Night at every hot dog stand. They had specific ones set up that you had to go to. Oh, that's tough. Yeah, so you're walking around. It's, I don't understand why they don't just put it every every uh, every stand. Let every hot dog be a dollar. What does it matter? Because Nolan Ryan's got to get his money from his all-beef hot dogs. <laughs> okay, so he's got to get those. I mean, just make them all-beef hot dogs. What's the difference? One's a little shorter or whatever. It doesn't matter. Everyone's going to buy it. On I did see a guy, though, Ryan. You're like, this guy was going to get uh, put some onions and relish and all the stuff on the hot dogs. I was there. A guy goes, hey, you want some of my chili? I made some homemade chili and have some leftover here. I had it in some Tupperware and brought in a backpack. He was making homemade chili dogs. 
Wow, what a move. That, I've never seen that. That is a move. I mean, you know, maybe maybe sneak in some uh, Indian stadium mustard. I could see that. But making your own homemade chili and then offering to people, that is, uh, that is a psychopathic move. He only offered it because he had extra. Like, he was just keeping it for himself and the yeah. people he was with. I turned it down. Uh, not saying, look, it was probably very good chili, but uh, who knows what was in there. Yeah, uh, yeah, you cannot trust. Uh, backpack Tupperware chili at a ballpark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I just thought that was a. I thought that was just a wild. I thought that was a great move. I mean, I was laughing. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, no, that's wild. Um, all right, so they're in the wild card mix. Uh, probably too far out of the division still uh, to think about that. Even though the Astros just had lost uh, seven in a row before today. Uh, so let's get into the deadline there. But very interesting article on The Athletic I want to touch on here uh, before we take our next break. It's by Levi Weaver. It's called Growing Pains. And the, Ranger, the Rangers had this deload program that was coping to prevent injuries, but it failed to prevent injuries. So what they would do is in 2018, specifically in 2018, this started back in 2016, they would uh, have – what they would say they they would like shut down for a little bit like not pitching all the time but in 2018 they went with a full no plan for all of their high school drafting pitchers and the rangers uh director of medical ops said he'd never heard of one of this before they were the first people to do it it was like kind of this deload program to prevent Tommy John surgery well the problem is that six of the 11 pitchers whether they started this in 2016, a uh, couple of them being first and second rounders, four of them, uh, six of the 11 had Tommy John surgery. So Levi Weaver in The Athletic went and interviewed uh, one of these uh, doctors who is um, uh, uh, st- specializes in elbow, uh, in elbow um, surgery. And he, very interesting article, that he went through and saying that actually deloading the pitchers hurts the arm and saying you need to continuously throw every couple of days to keep the your uh, chronic muscles in your arm your chronic loads um arms your chronic load in the arms trained to throw as many pitches as you can and if you take extended time off those muscles weaken and shut down. This was Ben Hansen that said that, Vice President of Biomechanics and Innovation for Modus. It's a company that invented a sensor designed to measure workload on pitchers' elbows. So they pretty much went against what he was saying. And six of their 11 pitchers now have Tommy John surgery. And right now they are relooking at that and they've taken away and they're trying to modify it. As they, they went from June until late August without throwing the high school pitchers. And that seems just like crazy. And some of this was that they were related to the injuries, but uh, that's just, that's not very good. That's not very good, Ryan. Hey, that's, that's great insight on your part there, Warren. That is correct. That is not very <laughs> I mean, good. I mean, what uh, else am I going to say? They have this program going on. Four pitchers they had in 2016 had Tommy John surgery. And then yeah, in no, 2018, both. they drafted five guy or five of their pitchers, or no, excuse me, two of them at Tommy John. So, I mean, look, the numbers are that this program for high school pitchers is not working. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, obviously, uh, there's a ton of talk um, of, that, I, that I've been a part of, of, you know, what's 
the, the, the biggest thing that parents and coaches at this at the ages that I coach, both from 11 through 14, 15, 16, um, it's pitch count. They're, they they all get hung up on a pitch count, and everyone makes up this imaginary number of how many pitches the kids will throw in a game or in a given tournament. Nobody knows. But shutting down a guy for two and a half months um, and then trying to rev him up and get things going, that is the exact opposite. If you want to shut it down, shut it down for a month, and then what you do is you slowly work it back in. That's what you go. You throw every every day, every other day. You start throwing. You start at shorter distances, 60, 70, 80 feet. Then eventually you're stretching out to 90, 120, 150 feet. And then you get some long toss in. The best thing pitchers can do is throw long toss. Get those arms, those, those muscles in your shoulder, your rhomboids, your scapula, all that strengthened up. Obviously, we're focusing on elbow strength, or excuse me, elbow injuries here. But um, that's that's all related to uh, your, the strength in your biceps, the strength in your triceps. So deloading these pitchers and shutting them down for two and a half months and then trying to ramp them back up to start throwing, you know, 80, 90, 95 mile an hour pitches, that's shredded kids' arms to pieces. Uh, another thing that people get hung up on for these youth baseball players is, is these curveballs and changeups and stuff like that, these cutters, and throwing all these uh, breaking pitches where now science has shown throwing that stuff at a young age doesn't hurt your arm. What it is is, is not being strong in your arm and not getting those muscle fibers strengthened up, kind of like what you were saying, um, that the opposite of this study showed, that you've you got to keep those, those muscles and that muscle memory intact if you want to be able to throw a ton of pitches and obviously, everyone nowadays is trying to throw hard. Everyone in the majors throws 95 plus, and where you know before that wasn't the case. You see a ton of guys touching 100, 101 miles an hour. So that's kind of the new thing. It's like in the NBA, where everyone becomes a shooter. Well, now everyone's becoming a fastball pitcher and just throwing gas. Well, in order to do that, you can't shut a guy down for two and a half months and then expect them to be able to ramp it back up right away. That's just that's asinine. All right, well, there's a couple more things I want to mention in the article. We'll take a break, our final break here on Tucker 1190, and then this is what the Rangers have done to rectify that problem. So that's coming up next here on the Short Thing Talk Radio, 1190. All right, back here on the Short Thing Talk Radio, 1190. Warren and Ryan with you. For the next nine minutes, so Kyrie Irving, if he's out there listening in China, wherever he may be, hey, call in to an actual radio show. What it actually you? Because no, he did not call in uh, to the program. Don't think we're going to have time to talk about that uh, this week. So if we have time next week, we will. And go. Marcus Smart is listening. Pull up. <laughs> okay, I don't think Marcus Smart's listening, but Kyrie, he might be one to uh, listen. To. He I'm, people think he listen to talk radio, so uh, we'll see that. But yeah, sure. Marcus Smart, two one four seven eight seven eleven ninety. Ryan, Ryan's in your top, right over, right by you, and Grapevine. He's right there, right by Flower Mound. So uh, check it out. All right, so we're talking about the Rangers and their deload program, pitching program hasn't worked out great. So things they did to change it, they shifted player development around uh, under assistant GM Mike Daly. Working underneath him is Matt Blood. He was hired away from Team USA, and he's now the director of player uh, development. What they also did is they haven't announced that uh, they have a partnership with this guy, but they've worked a lot with the guy who's at Driveline Baseball, Kyle Boddy. He's been in Arlington for the 2018 uh, draft and in Arizona with them during spring training. He's big on weighted baseballs. Trevor Bauer spends his off-seasons up there at Driveline in Seattle, so they're bringing a lot of new stuff in. The weighted baseballs helps them out, especially with breaking pitches, get those muscles stronger. So they've kind of rectified things, and so far, I mean, they don't – they haven't had any of their 2019 guys 
tear uh, UCL yet, but all things so far is what Levi wrote in the article. Uh, things seem to be getting on a bigger, uh, on a better plan now. Is they've brought in a body here and they've made those changes under player development and using like the weighted baseballs and other other things to help these pitchers. And look, if a guy's pitching, I'm still look. He could be pitching great. He could have great mechanic. He could be throwing great, but his mechanics could be off safe for that day. That could mess up his arm as much as just you're just terrible mechan- like the the mechanics is the biggest thing. Like uh throwing a small number of pitches with poor mechanics is just I think as bad as throwing a uh uh large amount of pitches with good mechanics. Like you could almost say poor mechanics is going to hurt yourself more than just when your mechanics are good. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, uh, the big thing with mechanics that, especially like stuff that I try to teach the kids that I give lessons to when it comes to pitching is leg drive. So that way you're getting a lot more, um, uh, a lot more velocity and a lot more power behind that baseball using your legs and not just using your arm, uh, to generate that, that high speed, generate the velocity, generate the spin rate on the ball is you gotta work from the ground up and, and build up those legs. And I know Trevor Bauer actually too, he, he's a big guy that, uh, that works on the lower half of his, body too to to be able to to generate you know everything i just i just listed off i still you know it's it's tough that you know you feel bad for those kids that had to go through this and i i feel like i, I wish the rangers i mean i'm sure they they put this into testing somehow but if these first uh 11 guys or whatever were the kind of like the first test subjects you know that's tough and they could you know maybe be liable for a lawsuit who knows i mean obviously guys aren't going to go aren't going to sue the team that drafted them because of this program that went a little, you know, haywire. But, you know, you, you got to go back to those 6 of 11 guys that, that are ended up with Tommy John to a certain degree because we've seen a ton of guys that get Tommy John and come back and they throw stronger and better than ever. But I think a big part of that is it's because of the rehab process, because they're strengthening up that shoulder, because they're strengthening up all those muscles, uh, you know, that surround your elbow and, and uh, uh, your arm. And those forearm muscles, you know, grip is another big thing too that everyone kind of, forget the forearm muscles, but those are huge, uh, too. You see guys go down with forearm strains, or what you think is a forearm strain, and then sometimes it turns out to be a UCL or something that's, uh, you know, ligament strain more so than just a muscle. Well, yeah, the, the and I want to say this. Look, it wasn't all because of the deload program. The early returns on this new program they're working for, they just, but their full season affiliates do the first half of – uh, 2019, they went 152 and 123. So things are okay. Also in the article, it says UCL injuries, particularly of first round picks, uh, Cole Reagans and a couple other guys. Uh, it's not if the no throwing problem was the full effect of it. It could have had a problem with it, but they're also um, questioning the, them throwing with the weighted balls. But the problem is nobody from driveline was watching how they were using that equipment. They just they didn't install the program for him. They had their own program kind of set up and no one was there like going like kind of uh day by day with how you're supposed to use those weighted balls. So like they yeah. kind of like maybe the weighted balls cause it. Pro- There's a lot of there. The Rangers really aren't saying in this article, what was the source of everything, everything going on. But the D load program was the main part. They kind of scrapped that and some other things now have worked their way uh, into that. All right, Ryan, quickly, we got a couple of minutes left in the show. Do you have an update for the people on your search for a Premier League team? Yes, I do. I don't. I haven't selected a team yet, but I have come up with a formula of how I'm going to select these teams. 
All right, what I'm is just going to bet on all of them, and I'm going to just keep writing the winners, whoever wins, until there's only one team. And then as soon as uh, you know they lose, as soon as it's down to one team, that's my team right there. So are you, <laughs> that's good. Are you going to bet like I? You wanted a team that uh, started preseason or started at the regular season, so you're kind of just scrapping that then. Yeah, yeah, I'm scrapping that. Yeah, so I I wanted I did want a team before the season, but then I, I started looking at lines a little bit because the the lines are already on. I saw that a couple days ago. Yeah, I I think I looked at them uh, Monday actually because the first game was July 9th, the first match August 9th. August 9th, yeah, excuse me, August 9th. And so I figured, and actually I think I think it's like Everton and Chelsea are two of the teams that I that are in the running actually play each other. So. I don't know how that's going to work, but I'm going to put money on both of them, and whoever comes out the winner, that's going to, you know, that's going to have the the they're going to be the one be the ones that win my heart. So, uh, and one of them also plays Arsenal. I want to say Newcastle New- plays Arsenal Newcastle, week yeah, first Newcastle, week of the season. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think that's who they play. So, uh, you know, we might uh, have to go watch that game somewhere if it's televised and see if. Uh, oh, it's it's televised. Every game of the Premier League is televised. You got to get NBC. Uh, uh, it's on NBCSN and then uh, NBC Sports Gold. But I think the Arsenal game is like uh, Sunday uh, mid more. I think it's like Sunday at the 10 a.m. spot or something like that. All right. See you at the London Air at 9.30, baby. <laughs> uh, okay. So so that's – are you hoping one team wins more than the others? I will let the gods decide. Or what are, the, what, are the, what are the three teams that you're, uh, that you're driving down to? Um, or is it – are you going five or just with three? I'm, I'm going five. I'm going five. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, the same five. That yeah, we yeah, yeah, yeah. Last time. Okay. All right. That's a. That's an interesting. That you know what? Where the money goes. What happens if they lose all five? Lose the first week. Well, then we we run it back, baby. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Look, I like that. It's kind of my thing of saying, watch how they play. Yeah, but just instead, a different, I'm a different. Gonna... Yeah, just kind of a different version of it. Yeah, and look, some of those teams like Villa and Newcastle got nice money lines there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's why I'm just going to pound the money line through the, through the goal line, just going all money line, and let's see where the money falls, and that's where my love will fall. All right. Uh, that's wrapping up for our show here on The Shore Thing. Thanks, Ryan, for calling in, and we will talk to you guys next Sunday night. Okay.